Father God, we thank you for your grace that holds us. We thank you that when we stand on the outside looking in, it's your grace that shows up first to us before we've done anything, before we've asked for anything, before anything. Thank you for your grace to each and every one of us. Thank you for faith that builds upon that. And thank you that this morning you have brought Anthony to us to share. And as we open your word and open what you have to say, Father, I ask that our ears and our hearts and our minds would absorb every word that you have for us today. And that for each and every one of us, that you would impact our lives simply by your presence here and by meeting us where we're at. Thank you for time together. Thank you for this moment. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, grab a seat real quick. Anthony, I invite you up. And we're simply going to turn this over to him. You can have here. You can have here. You can make yourself at home. You can go grab coffee. Sweet. You don't want me grabbing coffee, though. <laughs> My brain's already scattered enough. Although, you know, for ADHD or ADD people, uh, stimulus is good though, right? So uh, maybe I do need some coffee. We'll see how this time goes. Um, yeah, if, can we pray again? Is that all right? You, you okay with talking to God more than once during the time here? Okay, all right, sweet. Uh, Heavenly Father, um, once we were broken, uh, and, and I love what Steve had shared, that, that you... You loved us first, and that's the reason that we can love. Uh, we can love because you first loved us. Uh, but I feel broken still. Um, and I, I know I'm forgiven. I know that I've been healed, but I still feel like I need healing uh, and still feel like I need forgiveness. So I pray that you would move uh, in me in that and anybody else that feels that way this morning. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would move in us today. Uh, amen. So, and uh, yes, please, hopefully, whatever words are worth remembering, I pray that those stick, uh, and then the rest just, you know, go out the, the door, the other ear. Uh, we love uh, visiting our ministry team and supporters. I don't know if you know that as a part of the body of Christ here at Ordinary Faith, that you support uh, Cadence International, you support uh, the ministry that we do uh, with two and four military people and their families. Uh, and so we, we just really appreciate you guys and love you. And uh, I love coming and, and getting to share with you or just participating uh, because this is ordinary faith. Uh, the, the name that you gather together under uh, is a good thing because uh, we're just people trying to figure out our lives. <laughs> figure out what faith means. And you know what? I think people are more drawn to ordinary faith than they are to some spectacular faith. Uh, crowds gather for spectacular faith. Uh, they want to see what's going on and they're interested in stuff. But then when it comes to the grind of everyday life, then uh, and the spectacular kind of goes away, which uh, I don't know if you've ever had that mountaintop experience. You're like, yeah, everything's awesome and this is wonderful. And then you have to go back into regular life and that lasts longer than uh, the mountaintop experience, then you're like, what the heck did I sign up for uh, here? Um, so I really appreciate that you guys gather under ordinary faith. Um, we're going to take a look at a familiar passage uh, here. I'll, I'll share it with you in a second. I don't want to bum you out right off the bat by my lack of uh, interesting passages to pick. We're not going to talk about, you know, someone getting a tent peg driven through their temple or, you know, uh, any other things like that. It's just going to be a plain old passage. Um, but the, the connection is well to ordinary faith. Like that's, that's the mission that we work with. Cadence International, uh, we ministry to the military. Um, we also want to get the width in there as well. I'm trying to update our banners as I do recruiting and training and stuff. Uh, I hire them. My wife trains them and gets them out to the field. Um, width is a very big thing. Uh, doing life with people is nice. You know, it's a lot more fun with friends. Um, and uh, the, but the mission of Cadence International is sharing the gospel and our lives with military people. Um, and, and I think that's the key to ordinary faith is the, the sharing our lives part. Uh, you know, people, especially in this country, they've heard some semblance of the gospel, like however you define it. Uh, they've, they're probably familiar with the name Jesus. 
Uh, they may not have all the information that some of you in here may have, but they get the general idea. Uh, and faith is a word that's used all over the place. Um, but really, where people experience the gospel is in, in living life with them. They see faith and they see the gospel working out in your life. And as you live life with them, uh, then they get to experience that as well. And then hopefully uh, jump on board and experience their own personal faith with God as well. Um, and so I think that really keys in uh, to your, your mission and our mission really just goes together. So we really appreciate that you guys have, have jumped in with us. So um, sharing our lives with military people, though, how many of you are, have been or are in the military in some way? And that's active or reservist. Uh, I count it all. Coast Guard even, although you're far away from a coast here. So I don't know what you're doing. If you're in the Coast Guard, uh, you might want to relocate. Uh, but uh, how many of you have a close family member who was or is in the military? Okay. Uh, how many of you have some idea of what the military does? I'm going to keep my hand down for that. I, I grew up in the military as a military brat until I was uh, 17. I was living overseas. Uh, we, my wife and I, we've been working now that, uh, May, uh, at the end of May, 20 years with Cadence International. We've been working, doing ministry with military people. Thank you. And we're still going. <laughs> Uh, so apparently the military and the government and ministry has not scared us off. Our children, maybe, uh, you know, they, they might run away from ministry uh, as fast as they can, but that's okay. Um, uh, we get that. Pastor's kids, you know, my wife's a pastor's kid. I feel, pastor kid, I feel like I can talk about them. Uh, we, we're trying not to raise them as weird as normal pastor's kids, so we'll see what happens. Um, but there's like... I still don't know sometimes what the military does. Like they do peacekeeping missions where they're like, they're like kind of like a service. Uh, they're almost doing ministry at times. And then at other times they're doing things that they're spending money in ways. I'm like, what, why are you buying that? Like, I don't, I don't get what's going on here. Like, aren't you? Yeah. Anyways. So military is fun and it doesn't matter what you think about the military. Uh, those are a special group of people that need to experience the love of Christ. Uh, and, and really, that's true about everybody. Like, it doesn't matter what your stance is in any political area. It doesn't matter what you believe uh, in terms of, I believe this about Jesus. I don't even believe in Jesus, all these type of things. Like, people need to experience the love of Christ, no matter where they're at. And so that's really the biggest commitment. Uh, and that's why we love military people so much is because uh, they're in a, a very special circumstance that makes them open uh, to questions about life, questions about uh, who God is. Uh, it makes them hungry and thirsty for real relationship. Uh, they're constantly moving. Every one to three years, we get new people all the time within our ministries. Uh, so in that kind of context, it's kind of fun for us because when you spend a long time with people in ministry, then you have to get into things like, what's the hypostatic union? Okay, How many of you can confidently explain the hypostatic union? Okay, uh, the, it is not a word worth knowing, and I'm going to contradict myself here. I'm going to contradict myself here. I just thought about this as I was uh, getting ready to do the introduction or whatever. Uh, is, it's not a word worth knowing, and I'm about to back, like, get myself, undercut myself here, because no one uses it in everyday language, and it, it, you shouldn't use it in everyday language, all right? Unless you're a seminary professor, who needs to teach a concept that no one's ever going to talk about, really, except now I'm talking about it. So, uh, so in talk, learn the word hypostatic union so that you can tell people how worthless of a word it is to know. And basically, it's just the concept of that God is 100% man, or Jesus is 100% man and 100% God and lives within the same entity, the same person. Uh, that's what the hypostatic union is. There you go. Now you know. Don't ever use it with real people uh, in real conversation, okay? It is, it is worthless, and it will probably turn more people off to talking with you uh, than will actually want to sit there and continue. Uh, no one goes, oh, that's interesting. Can we talk more? No. Um, so anyways, uh, all that to say, uh, when you work with people who you only uh, really get relationship with for at most usually three years, usually more around one year, then you kind of have to focus on the ordinary things of life. You have to focus on ordinary faith. You have to focus on, hey, Jesus loves you. 
Uh, Jesus did this amazing thing by demonstrating his love by giving up, sacrificing himself. He didn't have to. He wanted to, all right? There was one point where he was like, hey, is, hey Father, is there another way? <laughs> you know, it's okay to ask if there's another way, but what he wanted was to be back in relationship with you, in right relationship, and righteousness with you, uh, and so he willingly gave up his life to do that. And so uh, in that type of sense, like, I get to work with people constantly where we get to focus on the main things. So that's what I want to do. I want to focus on the main things. But I'm going to also talk about the problem with us as humans. Uh, the problem with us as humans is we love excitement and drama, right? We love drama. We want to say we don't like drama. Drama is exhausting. It's stressful. But we love it. You'll sit there and you'll binge watch seasons of a show that at the end of the episode, it doesn't leave you peaceful and calm. It leaves you like, what just happened? Then you have nightmares or dreams trying to process it. You don't get good night's sleep. Uh, and you are just like freaking out. You need to watch the next episode. That's why you binge watch it. You're just trying to get to the end of it because you love the drama, right? No, you're searching for the peace <laughs> at the end of that drama. You're like, it's intriguing. I'm going to go to it. And when I'm out of this season, rather than making the good choice of just being done with Netflix, uh, you're like, nope, I'm going to start up a new show, right? <laughs> that stupid question from Netflix. It's the dreaded question. What is it? Go for it. Are you still watching this? Yes. <laughs> and I'd rather you not ask me. That way it just keeps going and I don't have to consciously acknowledge the fact <laughs> that I want to engage with this still. We love the new. We love the new, right? We always want something new. The grass is always greener. Uh, Scripture is pretty clear, and when you've had enough new, you start to realize this as well. There is nothing new. There's nothing new. We just feel new feelings about different ways of doing the same thing. You know, it's like I love to eat food. Anyone, anyone with me? Yes, I love food. Food is just proteins, salt sugar, you know, all those different things. They're just combined in a different way. I love, there's a comedian who does a, a joke uh, about how Mexican food is a trick on North American, on, on white people, really. Uh, and because it's the same ingredients put together in different ways, and you just call it different things. Now, I personally don't believe that because I am an obnoxious foodie, and when you put things together in different ways, it's new. It's different. No, it's not just tortillas with meat and cheese and vegetables. Wait, that's what they all are, right? Okay. Japanese tonkatsu, if you've ever had that, pork cutlets, breaded pork cutlets. What does that sound like? A, a breaded piece of pork that is smushed thin and fried. It's a pork chop. In Germany, it's schnitzel. Wait. It's the same things, over, but, but it's different. It's new, right? Anyways, you get my point, right? We like the new, but it's all the same stuff. There's nothing new. We like the drama, but really, drama exhausts us. So, in the vein of ordinary life, ordinary faith, I chose a familiar passage uh, of Scripture to remind us, and I'm going to let you know that I love familiar passages, and I hate them. Let me tell you why I hate them. Because as soon as you hear something that is familiar to you, your brain will shut off, okay? Uh, one of the easiest ways of this, and, and you can test this out. How you doing? <laughs> Fine, yeah? How you doing? Okay. The, there was actually a study that was done on asking the question, how you doing, and like, graph, like uh, checking out the brain, what happens in the brain, and the brain actually goes into more of a sleep state when asked, how are you doing? Okay, because that is, so, so I encourage you, if you actually want to engage with someone, don't ask that question. Uh, or, how are you doing? Smack them real quick and then be like, I didn't mean that. Let me ask you a different question. Uh, you should really know the person, though, well before you, you do into someone like, do something like that. But we get in this state where like, hey, I already know that. Uh, I've heard that before. Why don't you tell me something I don't know? Okay. All right, let me tell you why I love them, all right? Because if I can do my job, and if you're open to the Spirit, and I'm, I'm trusting that the Spirit's doing 
his job no matter what I'm doing, <laughs> uh, then I can get you to have the same reaction that I have when I'm willing to read God's word for the first time with fresh eyes. And that is, how have I not seen this before? Any of you done that? Yeah, you read, this, you read a passage like, I, I've, read, I've read the Bible. I mean, my wife and I, we went to seminary. Like, we've studied the Bible. We've been studying it for decades. We've, we've read the Bible front to back many times. And that's not bragging. That's just to tell you how hard-headed and, and stupid I can be at times of that I have to read. Like, and I go back to a passage, and I'm like, there was a, this was not here. It starts to make me believe uh, one of my conspiracy theorist friends about the Hadron uh, Collider, uh, about the concept of like, they really have gotten time travel to a certain extent, and they keep going back and changing little things about the Bible, you know, and I, I don't know, I think I brought this up last time, didn't I, where it was like, uh, in the end, who will be lying together, the, the lions and the... No, it's the wolves and the lambs that will be lying together. And that right there, that makes him believe that it's true because like everybody remembers it's lions and lambs. And I'm like, no, it's just an association between Jesus is the lion of Judah. He's the lamb of God. Uh, and then you have, you know, predator, predator and prey. It doesn't matter. It's fine that you remember lion. It's the same principle. Who cares? All right. For us ordinary people, it means the same thing. But there's an aspect of like, why did I not see that? And then my hope is that also by adding in what God has been doing in, in my life recently um, as it relates to this passage, that hopefully that, that intrigues you a little bit and you'll engage a little bit more. Um, so before I get in fully into what I'm doing and you're like, wait, what have you been talking about so far? How much time do I have? Half an hour from here? All right, all right. Set a 25-minute timer? No. <laughs> it's just going to yell at me and say that you don't have that app installed on your watch because it's a really old one. It doesn't have that much space. So let's pray real quick. <laughs> Lord, please help us to go back to our first love, which is you. Uh, help us to treat our relationship with you and your word for what it is. You are inviting us into deeper intimacy with you in an unconditionally loving relationship. Please give us an open and teachable heart to hear the words that you are speaking to us and give us eyes and ears to hear and see. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the familiar passage is Matthew 22, verses 34 to 40. You can open up if you want with me. Um, I'm also going to read it so you don't have to. Uh, when the crowds heard him, actually, let's test the familiarity here. Do you guys know the general heading that this passage falls under, Matthew 22, 34 through 40? If I say the greatest commandment, is that more familiar now? All right, cool. So when the crowds heard him, they were astounded at his teaching. They were astounded. How many times do you open the Bible and you're like, I'm astounded? Not very often for me. Uh, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religion, religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? <laughs> They're all important. We're going to trap him. We're going to get him to say, honoring your father and mother is most important. Then we'll be like, ha, gotcha. We can't tell you which one's most important, but we got you. Anyways, Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Whew. There's a lot in there. And there's very little in there. <laughs> Let's get the basics out of the way, all right? In essentially four words, what are the greatest commandments on which all the law and all the demands of the prophets hang? In four words, love God, love others. That's what we have boiled this down to historically. That's what I grew up learning. And... I'm assuming most people agree with that in this room, at least so far of what we've done, right? Okay, love God, love others. 
Let's get to maybe the not-so-new aspects or the ones that we choose, like me, choose to ignore at times, okay? Consciously or unconsciously. All right. Those who had open ears and eyes to Jesus were astounded. Ouch. So if I'm not astounded when I engage with Jesus, maybe I don't have open eyes and open ears. Maybe I'm in a closed-off place. Maybe I'm busy. Maybe I, I'm just not really engaging with Jesus. And, and here's the deal. I, I love, this is one of the things, and Michael didn't say it to me because I'm assuming he trusts me now. Uh, <laughs> you guys got to hear me speak one other time before. Michael was like, okay, you're fine. You, <laughs> you're okay. Uh, but do you remember, I told you what his one stipulation was uh, when I shared. Do you guys remember it? Don't judge others. He put it as don't guilt you guys. All right? I'm not guilting you. All right? The Holy Spirit is. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> my intention, I think guilt is a horrible motivator. I think fear is a horrible motivator. We love because God first loved us. Scripture clearly says that don't you remember or have you forgotten that it's the kindness of God that has led you to repentance? So I think that grace, love, kindness, those are great motivators. So as I speak, please know it's not my intention at all to guilt you. If you're feeling something stirring in you, then ask questions about that and, and ask the whole, like, I believe that that's the Holy Spirit working in you in conviction. And I love conviction. Conviction's fine, okay? Uh, not in a legal sense in the U.S. If you're dealing with convictions and stuff, we'll pray for you. We'll visit you in jail. No problems. Like, that doesn't separate you from the body of Christ, uh, but not in that sense. Like, in, in turning to God, in turning to the Lord, in, in starting to walk in a way that brings more life than death, that's conviction. And, and that's what I, I do want that. I want that. Like, I love the two things I look for when I listen to a sermon, when I listen to a pastor, is I want you to punch me in the gut and I want to feel good about it. <laughs> Uh, is that too much to ask? <laughs> you know, like, I want, I want to hear what you're saying, and I want to be so encouraged by it, but I also want to know that there's something in me that needs to grow and change. Uh, and so that, if anything, when I ask questions, when I say stuff, know that that's the motivation. I'm, I'm not trying to guilt you. Like, I, I don't believe in that. Uh, I love that you guys focus on the grace and the kindness of God. Uh, but there are things that we do that bring more death than life, and I think we need to grow out of those things, and we need to move towards living more like Jesus did and engaging with the world the way he did. So, in my heart, I know that if, if I'm not astounded, and, and I think there's a spectrum of astounding, you know, you don't have to be knocked off your chair every time you open scripture, but there's a certain aspect of like, of experiencing God and being like, okay, wow, like, all right, thanks for meeting me, Lord. Uh, at least some aspect of that. If I'm not experiencing that, then probably I'm going through life just normal, and I, my eyes and ears aren't really open to what's going on. I'm not observing, maybe. Um, and that doesn't have to be with just scripture. That, that could be with engaging with people. That can be doing, like, I'm not just saying you have to open your Bible every, that's the only way to engage with the Lord. No, not at all. But let's be honest, though, I'm with the Pharisees. I don't know how many of you are with me, but I'm probably more with the Pharisees. Uh, we have all the answers. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were just, they were the pastors. They were the religious leaders. They were the ones who knew scripture, okay? So categorically, that's where I'm at. So, that's probably going to be more the people that I need to look at and be like, all right, how am I like them? And for those of you who have had faith for a while, you might be in that boat as well. You think you have all the answers. Uh, we don't really need Jesus anymore, okay? If we've got all the answers, then we probably started living like, like we don't really need Jesus. We don't seek him. And at least that's where I find myself a lot of the time. And and you can test yourself to see if you're in this place because you try to trap Jesus as well with the question. And the question, though, that we ask is not some intellectual question. And that's not really the question that the Pharisees were asking anyways. They weren't asking him an intellectual question because they were interested in growing in their understanding. They were asking him a question that at its base was, well, for them was, hey, are you really who you say you are? But they didn't know they were asking that question. Or more, uh, we want to know exactly what we have to do or not do. 
to be right with God? Like, that's really the question is, you know, and, and we, we would get it a lot with teenagers when we talk about sex and dating. Uh, and the question there is, you know, because they're not going to ask, they're not going to ask, hey, what is the greatest commandment in being in a relationship with someone that I'm dating? I really want to know. What's the question that you ask when you're dating somebody? How far can I go? How far is too far? All right? And that's really, I mean, you can take it out of sex and dating. Put it to Netflix. How far is too far? You know? Is Game of Thrones too far? I, I know quite a few Christians who love the Lord. It's not too far for them. It's a little too far for me. Uh, we'll get into relativism here in a second. <laughs> um, but we want to put God in a box. We want to put him in a box. We want to stick him in our pocket. We want to put him on our dashboard. We want to hang him from the rearview mirror. And we want him to protect us when we need him. And we want him to fill us when we need to feel good. But we want him to stay out of the way for the rest of the stuff. You know, we want to make our own decisions. We want to do our own thing. We want to define what's right. So we want to ask God, hey, I want to kind of just put you in a place. I want to prove that you're not really who you say you are. Uh, and, and really, I'm God, and I can just keep moving. Uh, we want to not need him, and that goes back to the problem of the garden. That's, that's the whole problem of the garden. Hey, here's all these trees with all this fruit. You can eat and hang out. Your job, you're a gardener in a self-watering garden, <laughs> okay? Everything's going to grow whether you do anything or not, but I invite you, God, this is, I'm pretending to be God here. I invite you to garden with me. Make it grow even better. Cool. Hey, what's that tree right there? Yeah, don't touch that. You'll die. Well, really? Well, I... all right. And then you, you know, the, you got the whole serpent thing, which that's a whole weird story. Uh, and the serpent's talking. All right, talking animals, Narnia, there might be, might be more support for it than you think. Uh, so anyways, talking animals who then convinces Eve. Uh, Eve gets deceived. Adam's standing there like an idiot. Uh, you know, we all have our generalizations of the things that we do, I guess. Men, we stand around like idiots at times, right? No, just me? Okay, uh, I'll own it. That's fine. Uh, but it's, it's that same question. Are you going to love God with all of who you are? Go back to the Garden of Eden. Do you trust God? God says this is going to happen. Is that really going to happen? We eat of the fruit. Hey, now we know what good and evil is. Awesome, right? No, it's not. Because what happens is, is we know what good and evil is, but what do we not know? We don't know what's going on in the hearts of people. We don't even know what's going on in our own hearts at times, okay? So when I hit somebody, well, I don't hit people a lot, but I drive a lot. So let's do another driving analogy because I think I was struggling with that when I came here last time. I'm still struggling with it. Probably will until I die. Uh, but you're driving and the person cuts you off, right? Ah, that's evil. What if they're dying? What if their wife's giving birth? What if... They make a mistake. Oh, God forbid. Like, any of you make mistakes? And I'm still going to get in my car, and I'm still going to internally cuss at the person who cuts me off on my way back to Denver. Even though I'm talking about it right now and how, you know, I just don't know what's going on inside people's hearts, but I can judge on the outside what I think is good and evil. So it's, we're actually, that's the real curse that we're living in, and that's what causes death. So, yeah, sure, when they ate the fruit, and they chose to go against God, they didn't immediately drop dead, which is really what we tend to fear most is physical death, which is really weird. We, I mean, but it's not. I fear it, uh, which again plays into how God's been working with me. Um, but we fear physical death above everything else, but there, there are worse things than death. Living in a curse where you're constantly judging people and judging yourself, and you don't know what's in their hearts, and so you can't excuse them, and so you're just angry and ticked off and resentful and bitter your entire life, right? That sounds awesome. Anyone living? You don't have to reveal yourselves, but I'm just going to ask the question. Anyone living in that state? I, I know I fluctuate and live in that state. And then you have passages that are like, hey, don't let bitterness take root. It will kill you. 
Again, that, again, that garden theme, take root. It must, that's a fruit, man. Everything goes back to the Garden of Eden. And so the reminder of Jesus that he gave to people who were trying to trap him was, hey, sure, the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And I'm going to add all your strength because here's the deal. We try to divide up these things. We try to live these uh, compartmentalized lives. But really the whole part of it is just you are a complete person. And, and I'm going to go against C.S. Lewis and some other Greek philosophers, people who are founded in Greek philosophy here. You are not a spirit temporarily living inside of a body. Like when God created Adam, that whole story of creating humanity, Adam being humanity, uh, he created you, he out of the dirt breathed in his spirit. When at the end, in the resurrection, it's not like you get this ethereal spirit little Thing that you just float around in front. No, your body is made new. So you as a complete person are physical and spiritual. And so the whole part of it is you have to love God with all of who you are. That's the encouragement. So whatever verses you go look to, however Paul summarizes it, all your heart, mind, soul, strength, dividing into bone, like all those different things. It's really just God's way of saying, hey, you are a complete person and he is so awesome that he can pierce you to things that shouldn't even be divided. All right, so that's, now you know where I'm coming from, where I, I think scripture is coming from. So this is the first and greatest commandment, but you know what? Other than Jesus saying it here, it's not in the law of Moses. It's not like you can look to the law of Moses and be like, hey, this is the first and greatest commandment. Okay, so it's a summary. There's a really fun thing about Jesus, the prophecy of him coming from Nazareth. We can't get into it right now but it's so awesome. Uh, that's not in the Bible either. It is, but it's not like directly written like that. Nazareth doesn't make sense. Anyways, it means the sticks. He's the stick man. He's the guy who's going to die on a cross who came from the sticks out of no... Anyways, cool. Anyway, yeah, I can't, I can't really break it down, but hopefully that whetted your interest enough. You should check it out sometime. Uh, Here's the fun part also we don't really think of. Love your neighbor as yourself. And what did Jesus say about this part? That it's equal. We don't treat it equal, do we? We, hey, I got to love God. I got to get myself right. I got to do the right things. I got to be right by God. Loving other people comes secondary. If I mess that up, it's not as bad. It's, no, it's equal. If you're not loving people well, you're not loving God well, all right? So, shoot, that's not cool. Man, and there's another part we ignore of just this part. Love your neighbor as yourself. What's the part we usually ignore? Yourself. Loving yourself. That's selfish. Don't do that. Don't love yourself. Humans are evil. Man, hard enough time loving them, let alone loving yourself. Don't love yourself. That's not right. That's not what Scripture says. We treat loving others not, important, not as important as loving God, and we treat loving ourselves not as important as loving other people. But he says, love others as you love yourself. And here's where God has been working in my life recently. I don't love myself very well at all. <laughs> um, the areas he's been working on me, and the reason why I brought in the whole concept of we are a complex, comprehensive human being, like as created beings, we are spirit and we are physical, is because here's where he's been working on me. Uh, in not so spiritual, not so... Um, for me to talk about God working in these ways, it feels not as important. But here's the ways. And I, I, I boiled it down to four, or not boiled it down, but I'm focusing only on four. Don't worry, I won't go into huge explanations of all of them. I'll still be done mostly on time. This is where God's been working on me. Sleep. I hate this one. Diet. Man, I love food. And I know I kind of look like I'm faking it, but tears are about to start coming because I really do love food, man. Ah. Food is so good. This one brings other kinds of tears. Exercise. And hydration. I have five fingers showing. I don't know why. Those are only four things. Uh, 
the German, on this hand, I can't do it. It's really weird. I can bend my pinky down without the other one going, but on this hand, if I bend my pinky down, this goes. So that's why. Four things. All right. Sleep, diet, exercise, hydration. And if you're like me, I put this in quotes, here's what you should be thinking. Well, that's not spiritual. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. <laughs> All right. So we can skip this section. You heard from them. It is spiritual. Okay. In case you need more, if you're too exhausted to stay awake, you can't help anybody. All right. One of the biggest struggles that I have is, am I a good father? Like that's a spiritual relational struggle that I have with, I don't go out and throw the ball around with my kids. We don't do physical things that much. Like, like it's an area that I struggle with. Well, you know what? I'm exhausted. I'm out of shape. Uh, I'm not hydrated. All those different things. I have a lot more energy now. Now that I have, I have a little app that uh, tracks sleep debt. Uh, I don't know if you've heard that phrase. I hadn't until I downloaded the app. That was their way of getting me to spend, you know, three bucks or whatever on them. Uh, but I have zero sleep debt. And you know what? I could tell a difference from them when I started with 10 hours of sleep debt. Uh, like, I can, I can see, I see it and I feel it. And I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah. Your energy potential is at 100%. Your energy potential is at 42. Okay, yeah, no, I, I get it. And not just because you're telling me, like, I can feel it. It makes sense. Uh, think of the passage where Jesus goes to the garden to pray and he invites the disciples to go with him. And what are they doing? Sleeping. Now, granted, he may have been running them ragged for the past, you know, however many days. Uh, but they were too tired, so they fell asleep and they weren't praying. Like, there, there's your scriptural support for the idea of when you're tired, you tend to sleep rather than maybe doing other things. We've been doing ministry for a long time. You know, I said we were with Cadence for 20 years. Uh, I've been volunteering in ministry, helping lead worship in my middle school youth group growing up, high school youth group. Uh, I've been involved in ministry for about 30 years now. Uh, and in ministry, you get caught in this trap of there is always someone to help. There is always something to do. And you just keep going and going and going. And the biggest thing that happens, and this is in military ministry too, our last assignment at Graf, there... Uh, we had singles, we had uh, young marrieds, we had uh, families with kids. There was um, a group of soldiers that we called the refugees because uh, they were RAF soldiers, regionally augmented forces. Uh, they were stuck for about 10 months at a time in this training field in these moldy concrete barracks buildings. Uh, and the, pretty much the furthest they could go in general uh, was walking two miles to the bar district uh, to walk up and down there and then two miles, you know, stumble two miles back. Uh, sometimes getting a ride in a van, mostly going past the base commander's uh, yard and causing incidents there, uh, which would then get them in trouble and then they'd be more stuck and isolated. Uh, so we were doing, um, we had our Friday night gatherings. We had about 55 adults, about 20 kids, 30 kids sometimes, uh, all the way upstairs. We had a, sometime about five to 10 teenagers uh, who didn't want to be there because we didn't really have anything geared towards them. Sometimes they join us during the adult time. Um, on Friday night, that's about how many people we'd have in our house. Uh, then Mondays or Sundays, I would lead worship at chapel uh, because they needed a worship leader because uh, people are rotating out all the time. Um, so my normal pattern of when we would go to a new base is I would go, I would join in the worship team and help out however I could. And then one to three years later, usually one to two years later, uh, and at one of our bases every year almost, it felt like a new worship leader would get put in as they would come in, but then eventually they would just have me lead because we were going to be around longer than the rest of them. Uh, and so I would lead worship on Sundays because uh, there usually wasn't a worship leader. Then Mondays we'd have small groups and we had about three small groups, uh, I think. And then we had one small group uh, that was focused on singles. One of our volunteers led at their house. So four small groups on that night. Then we'd do the refugee small group, I think on Wednesday nights. Um, and then we would meet with people like, are any of you tired uh, hearing what we're talking about? Okay, we were tired too, um, which is why we came to do recruiting for this assignment uh, because we kept asking for help. And Cadence would say, we don't have anybody. We don't have more missionaries. And if we did have more missionaries, or when we get more missionaries, there's these other bases that don't have anybody. So we're going to send them there, not to you. And I'm like, well, that's not cool. Uh, because I'm tired, and we have a lot more to do. And rather than 
slowing down and trusting God, <laughs> we just kept going. Um, I had, uh, you know, my heart was about to give out in 2018. Uh, I'm still on heart meds trying to figure that out. Uh, when you're about to die, that's good motivation to work on these things. Yeah. All right. Uh, I think that my doctor took, finally got into doctor, took me off of one med. Uh, my blood pressure shot up. And so then they like quadrupled the dose of my other med. Uh, but in the midst of that, where I couldn't get a hold of my doctor, I couldn't rely on her. I couldn't rely on medicine very well. Uh, I was like, all right, I got to change. Like that's when God really started working on me. And I was like, I need to be hydrated. I need to sleep. I need to change my diet. And when I did, I think what, within two weeks, I dropped 13 pounds. Within two weeks, my blood pressure lowered to low. Like it was like, I think 111 over 60 something at one point. Um, it, like all within, hey, when you focus on, <laughs> on taking care of yourself, uh, and, and here's the way that I justified in my mind, because I'm still not convinced. I'm convinced, but I'm not convinced. I have belief. Lord, help me in my unbelief. Um, and the reason why I know I'm not convinced is because, uh, well, I'll get to that in a second. Um, anyways, when I focused, hey, if I live longer, I can continue to do ministry. But if I die of a heart attack, uh, I leave my wife uh, alone to figure out how to log in to all the different websites to pay the bills, because she doesn't know how to do that. Um, I leave my kids to have to live the fairy tale life of a wicked stepfather. I know it's usually stepmother, but there no father is going to be as cool as me to them. So uh, you know they're going to miss out on me. Um, like just all these like that messes up my family. That leaves them in a lurch. That messes up ministry. All these different things. Um, and so there's. Like, yeah, if I can live longer, sure, to, to die is gain for me. It's not gain for other people. If, if I'm sharing, if I'm living out an ordinary faith where I'm loving Jesus well, and I'm engaging with people in relationship, and they can experience grace and kindness and love through me, then that's gain for them. Christ, Jesus didn't come to gain for himself, although he gained you, so in a sense he did. So there, it's not like he didn't get any benefits out of it. Like he got his group of disciples. He got you uh, as people reconciled in relationship. But really for him to come was more of benefit to you, more of benefit to me. And so that's gain for us. So for me to keep living is really beneficial in this situation uh, to other people. I mean, I am really obnoxious at times. So sometimes it's not uh, benefit or gain, but I'm growing. Um, and so, here's where the struggle is for me, and, and I'm going to, hopefully some or most of this has made sense to you, and again, I'm just speaking about, this is how God's been working in my life. I want to continue to do ministry. You know, I do not like recruiting. I, I like going to colleges and talking with students and really kind of hearing about what's going on in their lives and asking them about that, and, and I'm praying that God brings them to join Cadence and stuff, but if I had my wish... My wife and I and our, our kids, we would be back in a military community directly doing small groups, teaching, engaging, uh, hearing how they're doing, being there to support them. Uh, that's really what we want to do, but that's not where God has us. He has us here for some reason, probably to help me to learn how to not die, um, you know, help my kids finish up high school and stuff. Well, the two oldest finish up high school. The youngest one, eh, it doesn't matter. She'll get by on singing and dancing and stuff, I'm sure. <clears throat> but... If you're like me, probably the little mundane, ordinary things is where God needs to grow you. Yeah. Um, I got really good for a while when I thought I was going to die. Of, I kept my cholesterol like under 200 milligrams. I kept my sodium under 1,500. In fact, I was like, what's the minimum amount so you don't die? Because you do need salt. Um, and I was dropping weight like crazy. I'm like, this seems unhealthy. I... Uh, but cool, all right, I'm, I'm learning, I'm growing, I've got it. And then two weeks later, we do a road trip, and it's like, salt and fat, mmm, I love it. And what else are you going to buy? I'm not going to go into the grocery store and buy carrot sticks to have in the car or eat Cheerios. Like, that doesn't make sense. No, we're driving. You have to eat while you're driving. You stop at a restaurant or fast food, right? It's what you do. 
So my blood pressure is higher right now. <laughs> uh, and, and it's that thing of the direct spiritual or even physical and spiritual relationship for me in ministry is I can see myself quite easily, and this is the part where I was broken, now I'm not, but I'm still broken, aren't I? Because I'm going to get back into a ministry setting where I'm going to get busy and I'm going to neglect that stuff again, right? I'm going to ignore it because it's not as important. And so I'm going to continue to focus on these four things because that's apparently what I still need to grow in for a while until I get some more discipline. The Lord disciplining me, me disciplining myself so that I can make better choices. And by better, it's just choices that relate to life. Because here's the deal. Uh, What diet is the right diet? There are so many out there based on your ethnicity, based on the region that you live in, based on what your body is used to, based on, uh, you know, I know someone who has drank enough alcohol to kill multiple people from cirrhosis of the liver, yet that guy is still going. And I know other people who have had barely any alcohol who have cirrhosis of the liver and have died from it. So there is not, I'm not going to, I'm not here to answer the question of how far is too far or what do I need to do to really love the Lord? I'm not going to answer that question for you because it's almost like in your ordinary life, in your ordinary faith, you have to ask the Lord that yourself, but you have to ask with open eyes and open ears to be astounded by his answer of, oh, for me, this is the relativism, I can eat this stuff, but I can't eat this stuff. If I eat this stuff, if I drink coffee, I have an allergic reaction to it. I'm one of like, few weird people you'll meet who has a coffee allergy, okay? And the allergy is weird too. I get a cold. If I drink too much, I get bronchitis. It's not even like, it's a weird allergy. My wife didn't believe me at first. Then she researched it and she's like, okay, you're not lying to me. Um, so there's not this one-all catch-all of spiritual rules like the Israelites couldn't even get it right. And again, if you accident, like if you cut somebody off, it might have been an accident. It might have been a mistake. It might have had, you might have had good reason to do it. Rahab lied to the spies, like, or to the, yeah, to the, who did Rahab lie to? She lied to protect the spies. She lied to everybody else. Um, and she was considered faithful for doing that. But we grow up, we're growing up told, don't lie. So I invite you, along with me, uh, to make the just absolutely mundane application of this awesome passage of, hey, just look at your ordinary life and, and ask God, hey, what are, I, th- I, th- I think the basic question, if we're really interested, is what are choices that I could make towards life? What are some simple things that I can do that you can grow me in, Lord, to just bring more life in my life? Because again, it's loving yourself in loving those around me, choices of life there, and in loving you, God. All right? And, and I think that's hard enough, that learning words like hypostatic union and figuring out when or if the rapture is going to happen and at what point or, you know, what does the gospel really mean? I don't know. Jesus didn't go to the woman caught in adultery and say, oh, no one's here to condemn you? Well, I can condemn you. Uh, I'm not going to, but make sure that when Paul or Peter establishes the church, you get involved in a small group, make sure you do this, you know, church membership class. Like he, he just said, hey, go and, and choose life. Sin no more. Like that's, that's what he left her with. It's like, well, thanks God. That's not really going to help me. All right. But it does. It does. He gives you a lot of grace and freedom to just ask him, what, what can I do to choose more life? And so I invite you to do that as I do that. Uh, and I invite you to remember uh, the people that we minister to who are also a, they're that type of group. Of, we as humans do it in general, but they are especially a type of group. They're treated as property and they're usually so overworked and busy that uh, when they're not working, they go and choose alcohol and other things like that to kind of just experience some relief uh, because they don't usually, on the whole, don't usually make good choices in those areas, diet, sleep, nutrition, all that type of stuff, to then be able to continue to do what they're doing. Um, So that is actually a lot of struggle that we deal with 
with them of they're exhausted, they're overworked, they're burnout. Uh, the younger guys are especially uh, going around and eating whatever they want uh, and not really paying attention because you don't need to when you're younger, right? So anyways, pray for them as you uh, figure out your life and ordinary faith and uh, pray for us as well. So cool. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. Worship team, why don't you come up? We support Anthony and Jessica as missionaries. Our church does. And you should know that. You should know that it was interesting because we had a conversation recently with, I did, and one sign of a good church is that their missions budget is about 10%, like a tithe, maybe you've heard that word before, going to missions. And we were about eight and a half percent. And I'm like, all right, we're close. And then I asked, well, how much are we given locally, which is also a mission field? And it turns out we're giving away about 15% as a church. We support this family for the work that they're doing in the lives of people who need an encounter with Jesus that looks like somebody loving on them a little bit. Maybe that sounds like you. Maybe that sounds like me. Somebody that's got a little bit of rest, a little bit of health that can pour into somebody else. Isn't it interesting when you go on the airplane flight, they say, well, put your mask on first because if you're dead, you can't help the guy next to you. We're going to have some people over here, and if you'd like prayer today, we have people that will show up and pray for you. Just walk over there. I'm going to be here after service. Anthony will be around if you want to just chat with him or talk to him or ask him questions. If you have any interest at all in considering pursuing something, a, 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 small, a short-term missions trip or something longer term with Cadence International, talk to him and Jessica. These are the trainers stateside that help people learn what to do and how to share life with people. If you'd just like to ask them questions or bust their chops and Figure out how to do that more in what you're doing locally. I invite you to speak with them. God is using ordinary people to share his extraordinary love and grace in corners and pockets, and he uses people just like you whenever you give him a chance. We're going to close with a song today, we're going to wrap up, and we're going to end. So I invite you to stand. Let's sing.